Hello, welcome back to News to the Pharaoh, and I'm your host, Darling Nisi. It's been a long time since February, I think, since we did our last podcast. Corona has definitely <laughs> kept us busy for the whole year, but we're bringing it back today with a special guest. Um, we have Janelle Belgrave. Hello, Janelle. Hi, how are you? Fine. So Janelle is actually an astrologist who's going to go through Prince's chart with us today. Um, I know I, I'm kind of interested in astrology myself. I am not an expert in it at all, but I always thought it was fun how Prince especially seemed to definitely line up with what was said about him in the stars. But before we get into that, Janelle, can you tell us your Prince story? Uh, I feel like I, I don't have a really big Prince story. I feel like my first memory of Prince was probably when I was about five years old or so. And that was around the time that Kiss had become like a hit. Um, and I just remember that this, you know, kind of light skin, like small man was just like wearing <laughs> eyeliner and like dancing around. And then at one point, I remember like, I definitely remember his like booty cheeks being out and like a yellow <laughs> jumper. So I just remember he was like very controversial, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was the definite opposite of what quote unquote men are supposed to be like and I remember being fascinated by him and then I guess after that I got into his music but I also really liked that movie he did I think it was Under the Cherry Moon yeah was it yeah so I feel like anytime that would come on VH1 which is when it what used to uh used to premiere on there and I'd just be like enraptured it was black and white he was just like elegant and sexy and I was just like who is this guy <laughs> I didn't get it but I was really I really enjoyed him awesome okay so let's get started Hi, I'm Jenny Lynch, and I'm here today to talk to you about what is a natal chart. So in astrology, at the time you were born, the astrologer will cast a horoscope for the exact time and the exact place that you were born. This horoscope is considered your roadmap to life, okay? It's your blueprint, your destiny, the things that shows your strengths, your weaknesses, and it also talks about your future. It shows you periods that are coming up that might be challenging or times that might be very lucky and fortuitous. It talks about your love life. When are you going to meet your soulmate? It talks about your career. When are you going to find the perfect job? Will you ever find the perfect job? It can give you information about your health, your children, your home, your family, your destiny. It can also talk about your money, your credit cards, your friends, things that you really care about, and basically tell you anything that you want to know. So the idea is that the horoscope itself is just a snapshot of the sky and the location of the planets and the aspects that are made to it tell a story of what's possible. So I guess I should preface this by saying that I don't know a lot about Prince's life outside of a few like major events. Um, and I kind of like that when looking at people's charts, because instead of trying to make it fit into his life, we just go off of what it looks like on paper. Um, so Prince was born on June 7th, 1958 at 6.17 p.m. in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And that gave him a Gemini sun, Pisces moon and Scorpio rising. Um, and I guess what stands out the most about this for me is that, you know, Prince seems to have come in as a communicator in a lot of ways. And a lot of his life was dedicated towards kind of making people uncomfortable. <laughs> 
um, and doing it in such a way that really made them focus upon what they desired um, and their fantasies. And I think that's a big part of his story or overall. So regardless of him being a musician, I think for anyone that was born on the same day at the same time of Prince may have a lifetime that's kind of geared toward the same, where their energy is such that, you know, I'm here to investigate things and start a conversation. And that's kind of what the main gist of his chart is all about. <laughs> so I guess from there, it, it really boils down to like, how do you want to talk about a chart? You know, um, so I like to talk about it like a story. Um, so one thing that we can look at for one is like, let's talk about his son in Gemini. One of the things that we know the best about Gemini is that they are talkers, they like to communicate. They're very curious. They're not afraid to talk to people. You know, usually Gemini's have a ton of friends because they're just that person who's not afraid to ask someone a question. And usually that question will start them off some adventure. <laughs> so I'm very curious to know how Prince gets started. I would think a lot of his journey was about him things kind of being spread word of mouth, people hearing about him, people having stories about him. Probably the neighborhood knew a lot about Prince. Um, I don't know if that's where he started out, but a lot of Geminis tend to get their start like in their local neighborhood. Yeah, definitely. Um, when he came up in junior high and high school, they used to do the neighborhood dances and things like that in local Minneapolis in the community center. So that definitely mm -hmm. aligns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so one thing that we can look at in astrology is like the age or when timing, because everything about astrology is about time. So for Prince, so one thing that we can say about planets is that they age with us, they grow up with us, or they can also point out points in time in our lives that things start to activate. So for example, Prince has the sun at 16 degrees of Gemini. So at around 16, he was probably starting to figure out who he was or what he kind of stood for. Um, and then probably between then and the age of 22 was him kind of honing his craft because he is a sun opposite Saturn person. So there's a lot of self-critique. There's a lot of hardness on the self. There's always a lot of pressure. Um, there might have been an authority um, clash between him and elders in his community, whether that's father figures or other men. Or I know that's kind of like a theme that runs through his art in the early years was like him against the authorities, him against like the man. <laughs> I'm thinking about like a raspberry beret um you know the lyrics of those songs about him like not really want to work these nine to five jobs and like you know not taking life seriously because he's really kind of on his own path more or less yes definitely especially in those earlier years um conflicts with his father and moving out of the house and all kinds of stuff like that happening then yeah Mm -hmm. So that was him kind of coming into his own and gaining his own power and authority. Um, one thing that kind of stands out about his chart, too, is that there's also a service slant to his chart where, you know, even though he is powerful in his own right, there's still this this element of wanting to give back in some way. But it's fun. It's competitive. It's like, you know, well, I'll give back, but I'll get something out of it as well. <laughs> um, and I say that because the ruler of his chart is Mars in Aries. And the reason why Mars rules his chart is because he's a Scorpio rising. And Scorpio as a sign is ruled by the planet Mars. So Mars pretty much dictates a lot of what happens in his life. So what do we know about the planet Mars? It's an active planet. It likes to fight. It likes to dance. It likes sex. It likes to chase after things. It likes fast cars. It likes the color red. It likes blood. It likes anything that gets us going. 
and for Prince, he has it in the sixth house of health and also the sixth house of employment and work. And that can talk about him having to do things on his own or strike out on his own early and make his own way. There could also be a theme about him not having a lot of support from others when making or carving out his own path. But at the same time, there's an element of, you know, I want to take action or do work on behalf of others that I work with. Um, and one story that comes to mind around that was, uh, I think it was Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis talking about how Prince was kind of like this big brother figure in these like the Minneapolis music scene where he would have them come together and play music and it would almost be like a battle where they would like, you know, compete on stage to see who was the best. And while Prince was in the audience watching, like, you know, enjoying it, he was also like plotting and planning and like, you know, hoping to be the better band the next day. So that to me kind of speaks to that Mars, like, you know, I'll do it for the people. I'll do it for all of us. But there's a, there's a part of it that's fun and competitive and, and kind of aggressive. Yeah. So I'm very curious as to what else Prince did in his working life in terms of making his own way, uh, whether it's starting his own label or his own brand or kind of mentoring people or, or being, you know, someone who had uh, people working for him that he considered like competitors or people that he would kind of compete with because that would kind of play to that theme. And also at the same time, also working on behalf of, the, of others, uh, people, maybe even working class musicians, for example example might have a story to tell about him oh definitely um especially in the beginning years his first album largely people say he's played all the instruments and did everything which isn't quite true there are a couple of people who are supporting him there but he definitely brought in the neighborhood folks to help him in the beginning with his um, beginning bands pulling people uh, again Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, um, to create the time with Morris Day it was um pulling people in he used to do um uh, like Suzanne, Suzanne Carwell and um, different people like that from the neighborhood. And then, of course, the competitive competitive nature of his earlier bands where they would go out on tour with the time and the very, very, very um, early versions before they were called the revolution. Um, he would have them on stage, uh, the time on stage starting before his band. And sometimes when they got to the bigger cities, you'd be like, maybe we won't have an opener now. <laughs> because they're a little bit too competitive with us. So um, mm. that was definitely something that happened, but he's been always very, very big about um, bringing people with him as much as he was about doing his own thing, but making sure people were paid really through his whole career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would think that that's not something that is very common in the music industry. I think we hear today a lot of times about bigger names taking advantage of other people. Um, but I think Prince, I think, you know, probably going into later in his later years, having issues for himself in that regard, where, you know, being his own person or even to the point of giving up his name, more or less, to have his own autonomy might play a big role in that. There is something in the chart that kind of speaks to that, um, that Mars is a big feature where Pluto, which is the planet of like power and transformation, and I believe Neptune here, uh, which is kind of the planet of delusion um, or losing boundaries, more or less. They come, they come into contact with, with Mars in this chart in a dynamic that we call a finger of God or a yod or a finger of fate. <laughs> so basically, it's almost like Thor's hammer being hammered onto this Mars by Pluto and Neptune. And so when Pluto and Neptune get together, it can kind of speak to about, you know, lack of boundaries with power. 
And then I guess with Prince, I think I always think about that in regards to when he was having issues with uh, corporations and record companies about his image, his brand, his art, his work, essentially, because his Mars would kind of speak to that, you know, being kind of under duress, not being not feeling comfortable with those dynamics. So I'm not sure what the full story was uh, or what brought that about, but I think that can speak to him kind of being on his own for a while in terms of his artistic work. Yeah, like especially um, it really kind of started right after Purple Rain time and he wanted to be like, everybody thinks I'm the Purple Rain, I'm the kid, I want to move on from this. And so mm-hmm. his album right after that was pretty um, different than Purple Rain. And he started to say, you know what, I want to do this expansive, long, big collection with all these different sounds. And it's going to be like three different discs and it's going to be big. And WB was like, no, that's too much. You just put this out last year and you're going to flood the market. And he had to kind of pare that down into something that became Sign of the Times. Um, And then after that, it was more he went out on tour. It was a very expensive tour for Love Sexy after that. And he was losing money and he needed a way to get money back. And so Batman came out. So, you know, that was really big, really popular. And he was able to fill the coffers again. But it's really started to create a, a conflict with WB where he wanted to put out all these music. And WB was like, it's too much. You're going to flood. And so that's kind of where it started with the slave stuff. And he's like, I am an artist. Let me present my art the way that I want it to be rather than, you know, what you think is marketable. And so there's this whole writing the slave on the cheek and everything until um, basically he got out of his WB contract toward the late 90s and then he got his name back when um, when when he did that and went back to doing his own stuff and um, later in 2014 um, actually getting his masters back from WB as well so it it was definitely a long kind of artist rights artist independence owning your own stuff that he was a crusader for um, mm-hmm. and that even later with his mentors or mentees he was very like be careful about signing up to these big industries because it's going to be very expensive for you to get out of it and you won't get to own your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting because the sixth house also has a connection with slavery because it's the house of servitude. So although Mars does well in that house, it's interesting that that was part of him kind of dealing with that, battling against them by actually writing the word slave on his cheek. So, you know, sometimes it's very literal sometimes. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was picking up on, you know, some psychic information about how to handle what was going on, how to make the biggest statement. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's see. Any questions so far that you wanted to look at specifically about his chart? Um, I am curious about any spirituality things that you see in his chart. I mean, he, he always was a very um, spiritual person through the years and it came out in different ways. And sometimes, yeah, he did say, you know, I believe that I am two people in one or I believe that um, he has different connections and he's very interested in meditation and stuff like that. So curious about anything in that area? Well, he does. Um, He has a really beautiful dynamic in his chart where he has Neptune in the sign of Scorpio, and it's conjunct the North Node as well as Jupiter. So we can kind of break down what those planets mean. So basically, Neptune is one of the, the, the chief planets associated with spirituality. It's a planet that's all about kind of reaching beyond the veil to the other side, whatever might be there, whether it's angels or demons. And I think that's always important to kind of point 
coming out, right? It's just energy. There's no real judgment there. So we can go as high or low with Neptune as we want. The highest of the high would be would be music. It would be connecting with the divine and divinity. Um, that's why music is such a big platform is because that's one of the main ways that we connect with something bigger than ourselves. Um, or it can kind of take us down a darker path, which a lot of times Neptune can lead us down to addiction, whether it's drug or alcohol or other substances, you know, uh, being very fanatical. Uh, you know, sometimes religion can go too far with Neptune or we become uh, enraptured or hypnotized by people who aren't truthful, for example, um, charlatans and things of that nature. So Neptune has a double edged sword to it. All the planets do. But this Neptune is right in his first house. So it's in his house of self, how he identifies, and it's tied to the North Node, which is kind of like a really big karmic uh, magnet, more or less. The North Node is what we're here to learn and what we're here to experience more of. And so for him, with Jupiter on the other side, and Jupiter being the planet that just expands upon whatever is next to it, those three components put together talks about having massive amounts of faith, uh, being extremely connected to uh, other worlds, most likely, because that Jupiter is also in the 12th house of the unseen. So it's kind of like all of <laughs> the things that happens to us and around us that we can't quite see for ourselves. So for Prince, he might have gotten a lot out of meditation, uh, probably spending large amounts of time playing music. Um, you know, yoga, sex is another big one that people use to, to get closer to God, more or less. But that is a big theme in his chart. And so he was rewarded when he kind of got, when he went down that path more and more, where he chose beauty and art and, and symmetry and harmony as opposed to fighting. <laughs> because that might have been his previous lifetimes was being a fighter. Um, and so this time he's like, all right, why don't you make music and use music to, to fight your battles instead? And you can be known as that. Okay, so since you touched on it a little bit, I would be remiss to not mention love and relationships for Prince. <laughs> it's a common thing that people want to know about. So what do you see in this chart about patterns there or patterns with intimacy and things like that? Well, uh, he has a very strong Venus and he's a very strong Mars. So this is someone who doesn't have issues with getting lovers <laughs> or did not have issues with finding lovers. Um, because when you when your planets of Venus and Mars, which are usually associated with sex, when those two in their signs that they love the most, they're fairly confident. They, they know that they can get what they want. And so for him, you know, Mars in the sign of Aries is a, is a Mars that wants what it wants when it wants it. So going after um, someone was part of the, the appeal for one. And then Venus and Taurus, Venus and Taurus loves to be there because Taurus is a sign of the five senses. You know, if I can look at it, if I can taste it, if I can smell it, if I can touch it, you know, all of the, if all the five senses are involved, that Venus is, is happy. And for Prince, he has that Venus in the seventh house of relationships. And so for him, it's just like the love of relationships was what it was all about. It wasn't for any other reason but that. And so I think for him, you know, romance and partnership was a big part of his life, but it did come with some downfalls. For one, that Venus is tied to Uranus. Uranus is the planet of sudden change and upheaval. So there could have been a lot of disruptions in his partnerships where things could have started out one way and might have flipped quite suddenly another way. Um, and it probably would have been very public because that Uranus is up top in the chart. So anything connected to that Uranus would be seen in a very public way. Uh, let's see. That Venus is also stubborn. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so, you know, she can stick around a lot longer than she should um, in a lot of ways, too. Another planet that we would look at, too, is the moon. And he has the moon in the fifth house of romance and pleasure and fun. And so there's a lot of emotional investment that came out of enjoying those things. So this is someone who loved love for love. He loved romance. He loved the fun of chasing and play. But it didn't always lead to what he wanted, I would say. And I would think there was also a lot of illusion involved, too, where the image and the idea was a lot clearer or a lot <laughs> a lot bigger than the actual person themselves oh so gender um that has been some part of prince's legacy um sometimes people consider him to be kind of gender fluid not in a in a presentation way but he had some feminine qualities as well as some male qualities and i was wondering how that um manifested in his chart as well okay well being a gemini son and a mercury and gemini you know there's there's an automatic duality to, to Gemini, it is the sign of the twins. There's a light and a dark. So I think that this, I think for him, there was probably an element of always kind of going in between those two sides of himself, whatever those things might be. His son and, and his Mercury and Gemini were also in the eighth house. The eighth house has a lot of connections to sexuality, to intimacy, to vulnerability, to psychology, um, to the things that make us uncomfortable, to the taboo, more or less, you know, taxes, death, birth, death, all that kind of stuff ends up in that house. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if for Prince, exploring his gender and his identity was a way of him to be constantly transforming and reinventing himself. Uh, eighth house people tend to go through a lot of intense things um, and those intense events tend to shift them and help them to transform. <clears throat> the other thing too is that Neptune that he has in his first house, it would have been very easy for him to kind of transform his image or, you know, play it up. It's almost like playing dress up, putting on different masks when he wants to. Uh, Neptune can be very active in the charts of actors and performers because they're kind of changing roles or channeling other energies to play up in their life. Um, and then also, like I said, that Venus is very strong. And then he also has a very sensitive moon. And those two, when you have such strong feminine planets and feminine signs, there's a comfort in that part of yourself, too. Especially for an artist like Prince, you know, he probably would have seen when he was more vulnerable and receptive, he probably would have made more powerful art anyway. So I think for him, exploring those things constantly was a way for him to explore his art and his deepest self. So I think it was a win-win. Hmm. Okay. Um, I We hear so much about Prince from like a, a celebrity standpoint. Um, can you tell us, based on his chart, what was just his general personality like? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think, I don't know, I kind of feel like his, I think this is a chart of someone that was okay being who they were, and that's what made him so radical. So in a way, I think the images or the, the, the bits and pieces that he did show of himself were pretty true to who he was overall. But I feel like, in a way, there's a part of him that hid a lot of that stuff because it's almost as if, would you still want me if you knew how deep I go? Um, so I do think that people did see Prince, what he wanted you to see. But I think underneath it all, this is someone who is very passionate, very deeply feeling, very sensitive as well, um, and probably felt a lot of pressure in a lot of ways. I think he had a lot of pressure on himself to be, you know, better than the rest and to always be pushing himself to perform. And there was probably a sense of like, you know, not always getting what he wanted. 
there's a little bit of emotional obsession. He has a moon opposite Pluto. So this is someone who's very, once he gets his mind onto something and his heart into something, it's not something he gives up on. Um, and then also someone who's very idealistic with Jupiter and Neptune and Venus playing all together. Someone who really has a lot of high hopes, but is disappointed when they don't turn out. <laughs> So um, some of my listeners are going to be mad at me if I don't probe this a little bit more, but back to mm-hmm. love and relationships. Um, can you can you see um, around like February 96? That's when he got married to his first wife. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there an exact date? Yeah, February 14th. Well, we don't have a birth time or we don't have a, a wedding day time, right? So we just have where the planets were on that day. Um, and depending on what time they got married, the moon would have either been in Sagittarius or in Capricorn. A Sagittarius moon would have been a little bit better. <laughs> so if they got married anytime, let me double check here. If they got married anytime before, let's see. If they got married anytime before 6 p.m., I think. Yeah they would have been fine. But once the moon would have moved into Capricorn, that moon is definitely under more duress. And that can speak to usually the bride in the relationship. Um, And then, so that moon just kind of loses a little bit of power. She becomes a little bit more hard. So that's one thing to think about. The other thing too, is that the moon in this chart is waning. So when we talk about the moon is waning, it talks about the moon is falling towards new. So in any wedding chart, a lot of times we love to see the moon and the sun waxing or growing together in energy and strength versus waning because it's almost like you're bringing dying energy into a marriage. <laughs> it's not necessarily what you want. You want to see growth. So that's kind of one strike. Um, Venus is an Aries in this chart. So Venus and Aries doesn't like to be there either. It's a Venus that likes to fight. It's a warrior Venus. It's not necessarily Venus that wants to be in a relationship all the time unless there's going to be struggle or things to, to fight about. And that Venus is kind of stressed out in this chart. So automatically, if I was to think about what the bride was kind of going through in this chart, it wouldn't be ideal. (laughs) Um, And then even the groom, if we go by the sun and Mars, they're both in Aquarius, um, both Saturn ruled. And so it's kind of a chart that doesn't have a lot of joy in it, I would say. (laughs) And now how that kind of goes into Prince's chart, if we put them together, that would give us more of an idea. But on its face, the wedding chart isn't the strongest. Okay. Well, if I if we put Prince's chart on top, I see. Well, for one, this was kind of a karmic relationship, I would say. Um, the nodes are in the same place that it was when he was born. So he definitely probably would have felt a pull to get married or somehow have some sort of relationship um, because he does have the North Node in Libra and Libra is the sign most associated with partnership and marriage. So for him, he would have felt like, oh, this is a great time to get married, right? (laughs) But for him, that, that North Node is also wrapped up by Neptune and Jupiter. And as we spoke about earlier, there's a lot of illusion and delusion involved for him when it comes to, you know, some partnerships. Um, let's see. I mean, so what happened in this partnership, I guess, is the question. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's only usually what is available to the public, but she did mention in her book it was, it started okay, and then it didn't. (laughs) They lost a child, and they lost, um, she had a second, I think, a topic pregnancy as well. Mm -hmm. 
And so it was it was a rough time and they never really recovered from that. Yeah. Well, that in, in Prince's chart, without looking at her chart, uh, his fifth house, the fifth house is a house associated with, with children, with entertainment, with pleasure, with with um, art in a lot of ways, procreation, creation itself is in the fifth house. And Saturn, which is the planet of hardship and challenge and denial, is in Saturn in that marriage chart. Sorry, it's in Pisces in that in that marriage chart. So Saturn in Pisces was inside his fifth house, bringing denials of children and joy and love in a lot of ways. So if I was an astrologer, I would have said, hold on, let's wait. <laughs> let's pick. Maybe we can pick something a little bit different. Maybe there's some other way that we can kind of mitigate a lot of these things. And then also looking at the bride's chart, we'd want to look at that, too. So definitely go to an astrologer before you pick a wedding day. Please, guys, <laughs> you could avoid a lot of this stuff. <laughs> okay well um and then they're gonna be mad if i don't mention the second one mm -hmm. so the second marriage december 31st 2001 well first of all i would ask prince to stop picking aquarius and capricorn for weddings one <laughs> because those are both two um signs that are ruled by saturn and so again, it kind of brings an automatic hardship unless you're a couple that wants to build something and be like kind of in business together. I would say that this this bride, at least, is a little bit stronger depending on the time of the wedding. Um, she the moon was in cancer for the majority of that day. Um, as well as Jupiter. So that brings a lot of, you know, abundance and, and fertility and just strength in terms of uh, feminine power in the chart. Um, however, this wedding took place right a little bit after a full moon. And if you know anything about a full moon, it's when the sun and the moon are opposite from one another. <laughs> so if you think of the sun and the moon as the bride and groom, you kind of want them to be on the same page, you know. And while an opposition is not terrible, it kind of brings in the theme of the, the couple is on opposite sides of the table from one another. So there can be a lot of tug of war um, and back and forth and, you know, push and pull. So if that's what you like in a partnership and you can work well in that by all means, but if you don't, you know, that's going to be a little bit more tricky. Um, so let's see again, a lot of Capricorn, uh, this time Saturn is in Gemini. All right. So again, I think he was just feeling kind of the push to like mature and to kind of take on this adult status. It felt like, um, because of the way the planets were moving in his chart. But I would say this marriage is a little bit better, but eh, I would have picked a better chart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, there's, there's less in the public knowledge about this second time around. Um, mm -hmm. But like general fandom is kind of like Prince's first wife is his music, is this career, everything else is secondary to that. So, um, that could be pretty isolating and um, also for both of them, really. So I'm, I'm not I don't want to speculate too much, but I just wanted to make sure I asked that before someone's like, can you say this? OK, well, did they last very long? No, not really. <laughs> no, no, they were done by 06, I believe. 06. OK, well, again, you know, depending on what time they were married, this is a full moon chart and the moon was again starting to wane. So, again, you want to have a wedding where the moon and the sun are growing together <laughs> and not already kind of fizzling out because that can kind of speak to what that's about in the wedding chart. Yeah. Um, I would be missed again to not 
ask about this. Um, can you see what was happening in April of 2016 for Prince? Does it have to be a specific day or? Um... Well, um, I'm kind of familiar with that day and yeah. time, but we could look at it. Okay. Death chart first. So here's the thing. There is astrology to kind of see uh, triggers for death in a chart or passing or accidents. However, it's always important for people to know that these triggers or transits that can happen to a chart happen numerous times throughout our lifetimes, right? Like, you know, the planets spin around in a circle all the time. So there's going to be numerous times where we could be primed for an accident or some sort of health event. It really does depend. Um, and so sometimes it really boils down to whether or not the time is right, whether the right circumstances are ar around for it to happen, pretty much. So in the case of Prince, so one of the, the, the chief things about his chart to, to think about is the fact that his sixth house, as we spoke about earlier, is in Aries. Um, and so the sixth house can talk about our health in terms of the things that can really bother us, what our health issues can be, um, depending on what's happening inside that house, what the ruler is doing, things of that nature. Uh, for Prince, he has Mars in that house and it's in the sign of Aries. So automatically we think of inflammation. We think of fevers. We think of head injuries. We think of strokes. We think of blood issues. Uh, we think of clots. Um, anything to do with uh, probably blood and even circulation to a lesser extent um, can really do with Aries because we're dealing with the head, the ears, the eyes, everything up top. So on that day, we definitely had Venus and Uranus in inside that sixth house for him. So it would have been something that probably happened very suddenly um, that just, you know, one minute it was fine and one minute it wasn't because the nature of Aries and Mars is fast, is speed. Um, and there's a fair amount of fire in this chart. So it would have been something that moved very quickly. So in the past, has Prince had like any accidents, injuries, head injuries, you know, because the sixth house can also talk about speed um, and rushing into things or taking too much of something, thinking that you can do something and then all of a sudden it is too much. Well, yeah, I mean, he did die of a fentanyl overdose. Um, mm. There's a lot of commentary about how that happened um that i don't necessarily want to get into because it you know it depends on who you're talking to and who's around and things like that the hearsay mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. um he had of course as a dancer injured his hip um several times he had hip surgery in 09 or so and never really got better from it um mm -hmm. you know working that cartilage away there's only so much you can do so um trying to manage the aches and pains of being a dancer for so long and then um, unfortunately either taking the wrong thing or taking too much of something um, resulted in his passing. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there there are a couple of things in here that speak to that day being very sensitive. But without a time, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to really get too detailed about it. Um, and then people also kind of talk about the ethics of talking about death and astrology. I'm okay with it. I think death is a part of life. Um, and so it's powerful to me to see how the, the stars and planets line up when it does come, because it's just another, another thing to learn, you know, um, <laughs> one planet that's pretty significant in this chart too, I would say is Jupiter. 
And often Jupiter is associated with death because Jupiter talks about our horizons expanding. And so the idea of what's the next big adventure after life, but what happens in the unknown, right? And on that day, Jupiter was in conjunction with uh, the North Node. Um, so that can definitely talk about, you know, that energy was fairly amplified. And the nice thing about, well, not the nice thing, the interesting thing about this is in some, if you get deep enough into astrology, there are things called uh, antitia points, which are like mirror points. So basically, if you were to fold a chart in half, and whatever sign would be on the other sign of the other would be the, the mirror point. So the mirror point of Virgo of, as a sign is Aries. So again, there is this this extra signature of this health house being activated. And so what you would do is that you would subtract the number of degrees. In this case, Jupiter and is at 13 degrees of Virgo. You would subject, subtract that from 30 degrees. And what would that give us? 17, roughly? So 17 degrees of Aries would be the mirror point in the opposite uh, house in Aries. So I do think that his health was very activated and fragile at that time. So, you know, whether or not that means it was absolutely time that he was supposed to leave, we don't know. It was just the point that he chose to leave at, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So now I have a question, I guess, that's kind of more general to astrology. Um, a lot of people feel like they were activated in some way when he ducked out, as I like to say. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm curious, what or is it valid to kind of do those, um, I guess, synastry um, mm -hmm. charts with Prince um, now to understand how people relate to him? Like if if you were to, not me, but if someone were to do just a chart running themselves with Prince, is that valid to figure out why am I activated by him and different things like that? Oh, yeah, sure. I love doing that with my favorite artists. Because usually you'll find that the the artists that you really enjoy the most typically have planets that are talking to your planets in a particular way. So even for myself, as someone who doesn't have a, a strong pull with prints, I'm just a casual fan. If I looked at our synastry, I would see, you know, there are things in our charts that speak to our relationship even, you know, as it is now. Right. For example, his Jupiter in Libra falls right on top of my, my midheaven. So that talks about my career um, and, and point of status. So in a way, he could be amplifying me right now. I have no idea. So I think looking at your chart against somebody else's chart, like a, a famous figure, is a good way to learn astrology. So long as you don't take it to mean that it means that you absolutely have to meet this person and you're meant to be, right? Like that's the beauty of astrology. You can see so many potentials, but it doesn't mean that you need to go down those paths. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's where, you know, you have to kind of let things unfold on their own. Sure. <laughs> and if you do meet someone like Prince or you, if you happen to meet a celebrity and you kick it off and you can see your chart and you see why. So there you go. Okay. Cool. Um, let me see. Um, when charts happen like this, and of course, they're not here anymore. Are you still able to see what's going on with how I guess their energy manifests on Earth thinking like the career and how their legacy is being um, carried on? Mm-hmm, for sure. You know, so even after someone passes on, their chart is still alive, more or less, because that lifetime is still on record, in a way. Like Prince's whole life is still here for us to enjoy to an extent through his art and through his image. So the chart is still active. So when 
the current sky is active in a way that you know lights up a chart that person usually comes back into the into the mainstream for some reason so right now because we have the north node currently in gemini and prince is a gemini i would say over the next 18 months or so i wouldn't be surprised if he becomes more prominent in the news again um, usually, you know, something about him, you know, maybe about his past, you know, maybe about the work he did or something that comes up around, you know, things we didn't know before. And that would be fine because, you know, it's kind of like the residual of this lifetime. It still adds. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense because we have a big sign of the times um, deluxe coming out in the fall. Mm. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the fifth year anniversary of his ducking out <laughs> next April. Mm-hmm. So there, it'll mm-hmm. definitely be a a big, big thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, I think it's a fun thing to, to, to study, to see, you know, check when there's big events happening, check the person's chart to see what's bringing it up. Um, that usually gives us a lot of information. Um, is there anything coming up about anything legal for him? Um, always. Uh, they still haven't mm-hmm. um, dispersed his... Um, the heirs. They haven't gotten their stuff yet. There have been some that have passed away um, and while waiting. There have been some that have sold to larger con- media conglomerates, um, to at least part of their shares to larger media conglomerates because basically it's just so tied up. There's no telling when <laughs> it'll ever get passed on to the people who, you know, are supposed to have it. Uh, as mm-hmm. most legacies of, unfortunately, Black artists, they don't have wills. And so I think Aretha is still going through that. Lots of people still going through that. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Interesting. Well, we're going to have to see how it plays out then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's going to be, it's going to be a while where there's going to be a lot of uncertainty in that regard, I think. Mm-hmm. So I guess patience <laughs> is all that we'll have at this point. Yeah. You know, what can you do? So is there anything else in closing that um, is just interesting in Prince's chart that you can see? Uh, you know, I think he did a good job with the chart that he had. I think that he stayed true to himself, which is always important. And I think it really came across well. You know, I think in time, people will see just how much deep psychological work his music actually had on people's psyche. Mm-hmm. Like the imagery, the artwork, the the messages around it, even I don't think we'll understand just how much he put into it. And so I'm very excited to see what comes out and, you know, how he'll be studied in time. Yes. I think is important to see because I think there's a lot in his, a lot of his messages about transformation. How do people transform to be who they really are? I love it. Okay. So, Janelle, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me mainly on Twitter. I am at jsoabove on Twitter. Um, you can also find my website at soabove.com. And I also co-host a podcast with a really great friend of mine, the lovely Mecca Woods, called Stars on Fire, where we talk about things like prints and music and politics and all sorts of fun stuff through the lens of astrology and a lot of laughs. So that's what we're here to do. And we would love for you guys to join us. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Again, my name is Darlene Nisi. You can find me on Darlene Nisi Twitter, Instagram, and thank you guys for listening. Bye.